Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. For this morning, I want to just kind of jump into our sermon series. We've been in this series through the Beatitudes, and we've been talking about flourishing and kind of living the good life. And what does it mean to, to flourish, to have the life that Jesus has called us and how to live in to those things. And so what we've been doing each week is we've been reading through the entire passage. We've been standing and reading through it. So I, got, I want you guys to stand up and I want us to just read through the passage of the Beatitudes this morning. And then we'll read through our verse as we wrap the series up. So we're at the end of the series. Uh, we're going to wrap it up this morning. <laughs> so let's read it together. The Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, we're going we're gonna to switch blessed, we're going to say flourishing, okay? All right, so flourishing are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Flourishing are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, oh, for they shall inherit <laughs> the earth. Flourishing are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Flourishing are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Flourishing are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Flourishing are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Flourishing are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Flourishing are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil to you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You guys can have a seat. This morning's verse, to read it again, is flourishing are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Flourishing are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you guys pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you for this time that we have together to open up your word and for you to expose the plots of the enemy and, God, the ways that you undermined him. And, God, we pray for courage this morning. We pray for strength. And, God, we pray for more of you, that we would know more of you, that we would pursue you with all that we have this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, as we get into this verse, there's four things that I want to talk about. The first one is righteousness. I want to talk about the kingdom of heaven. I want to talk about why suffering. And then the last one in the kind of the season of Advent and Christmas coming, the last one is that there is more under the tree. There are more presents under the tree for you. Okay? And you'll see how that ties in at the end. I know you're, you're waiting to hear. How does that fit? Um, And that's why it's there, all right? So the first one is righteousness. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And I want to begin this by talking about a conversation that I had a couple weeks ago with uh, another pastor friend of mine. Uh, We were having coffee, and he just asked me, why do you think people come to church? We started having this conversation, why do people go to church? And then specifically, why do you think people go to your church? Why do you think people show up? at Damascus Road. 
And I was like, you know, I think people show up at Damascus Road because of the community, because we share life together well, and we enjoy sharing life together really well. And he's like, that's, that's good. That's a good reason to come together. And that's a good reason to meet and be at Damascus Road. And I was like, yes. I was like, but if I were to pick why people come to Damascus Road and what their answer to that question would be, my prayer would be that the reason why you come to Damascus Road is because we're a church that's just following Jesus with everything that we have. My hope is that you would come to Damascus Road and you would tell your friends about Damascus Road and you'd say, the reason I come to Damascus Road is because there they follow Jesus. There they follow Jesus unapologetically. They seek him, they pray, they fast, they look for him. They're hearing from God and they're seeking him with all they have and they're looking to respond to him in appropriate ways and that we're doing this as a community, that it's not just the leadership that's doing it, but it's something that's lived in our lives. And it's something that I think that God is growing inside of us as we seek to follow Jesus. I mean, that's one of our core values is that here at Damascus Road, we be a people that follow Jesus, that shares life together, and that loves our neighbor. And I don't know what your reason is for coming. I don't know if it's because you like the, the music. I don't know if it's because the location's convenient. I have no idea. I don't know if it's because you've got friends here. But my prayer and my hope is, is that we would be known and that the thing that would draw you here would be Jesus and it would be following him with everything that you have. It would be following him with your finances, with your relationships, with your time, with your energy, with your job, that you would orient yourself around the things of God and that we would be a people that are on fire, that are fired up about Jesus. And not only that we'd be fired up about Jesus, but that we'd be fired up about the things of Jesus, that the things that Jesus gets fired up about, we would get fired up about. And I think that when we get fired up about the things that Jesus is fired up about, there we begin to step into righteousness. There we get to step into this place where the world gets to be put back into place as it ought to be, as God has always intended it to be. That we would be a people that seek after God and that we would strive after all that God intends and hopes for the world in all things. I'd hope that as we seek righteousness, that we would be a people that would stand against modern-day slavery, that we would be a people that would seek to better understand race relationships in our community, and that we would seek to know how to engage in conversation and racial reconciliation in our city, that we would be a people that proclaimed the value of life from conception, and that we would follow that up with actions around loving families in our community and meeting their needs as they bring life into this world, that we would be a community that sends out gifts and tools and packages to children that are oppressed around the world with the opportunity to receive the gospel, that we would be a people that knows how to see their neighbor and love them and give them grace and compassion, and mercy, that we'd be a people that would pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come to this church, to our city, to our state, to our nation, to the world, and that we would seek to follow Jesus in everything that we do, that that would be our motivation for getting up in the morning, that that would be the thing that lit our fire, and that we would do that together, that we would share in that, and that we would share in life together, and that we would be able to love our neighbor in response from that. And I'll tell you, church, when we do that, 
when we do these things, when we start to walk into the righteousness of God, when we begin to follow him, it is an affront and it is an attack against the powers and the principalities of this world. It undercuts the greed, it undercuts the comfort, it undercuts all of the values of this world, and it undercuts the ruler of this world who is Satan. So when we do these things, he's not going to be happy about it. And scripture says that he is prowling around this world like a lion seeking to devour us in any way that he can. Now the word persecution in this passage means to pursue with the intent of harm, to be pursued with the intent of harm. I don't know if you've ever had anyone chasing you, but that's being persecuted. When someone's chasing you with the intent of harming you, that is persecution. And whenever we pursue righteousness that is from God, you better believe that the enemy is going to be pursuing us with persecution, with intent to harm. Because we are taking a stand and we're standing against everything that he stands for in this world. That's the nature of Jesus' righteousness. And I don't, I don't say these things to unnerve us. I don't say these things to scare us or to stir up fear. Because the passage goes on, and there's good news in this passage. It says, flourishing are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not just this place where we die. All right. Sometimes we think the kingdom of heaven, that we get to inherit that because of our persecution in this life, and that we're going to another life, that we're going to heaven someday, we're going to heaven somewhere else, and that, <laughs> that it'll all be worth it someday if we just grit our teeth through it right now. But the reality is that the kingdom of heaven is present right here and right now, and it's a reality to be lived in, and it's a reality where Jesus is king. It's a reality where Jesus is king and he rules with his power and authority, which is greater than Satan, which is greater than the powers of this earth. And so when we follow Jesus and when we make Jesus king and we pursue his righteousness, we're also pursuing him and we receive authority and power through his Holy Spirit for the kingdom of God to break into this earth and to begin to align this earth into the realities of heaven. It's this prayer, oh God, may, you, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pursue Jesus as our king, we pursue him also as our righteousness. People look out into the world and they see all the evil that's happening. We could easily look at all of the slavery and all of the, the evil and the darkness that is in this world. And people say, how could a good God allow those things to happen? The question that we're not asking, though, is what God are you bowing down to? What king are you serving? Because the reality is that many of us were serving the kingdom of this world. We're serving the king of this world who values comfort, who values control, who values power, who values wealth, <laughs> who values manipulation. We pursue that king, and when we follow that king and we do those things, evil and darkness is sure to follow, and brokenness will follow. And Jesus is saying, come and return to me. And pursue me with all that you have. 
Know me. Know me as the good king, as the righteous king. And when you begin to follow him, you'll begin to see his righteousness and his goodness and his grace and his love. And you'll begin to see people restored and people set free. And you'll begin to experience that in your lives. The world is broken because we serve the wrong king. We're too busy building our own kingdoms. I'd say even myself, I get caught up in this to where I want to start building my own kingdom right next to Jesus' kingdom. Like the kingdom of heaven is like right here. And I just, I don't want the fullness of the kingdom of heaven because of all of that it will cost me. And so instead I will say, you know, I'll, I'll try and build my own kingdom of heaven right here, right next to it. And, and so I will build my own kingdom with some of the best intentions in the world. But guess what? Those things fall incredibly short of the hope and the glory and the truth of the kingdom of heaven that the kingdom of heaven offers. I cannot offer that. But we try and do it all the time. And this is that futurum. That's that futurum that we were talking about as we talked about Advent this morning, is that when we try and build our own kingdoms, where we try and bring our own righteousness, and we try and bring our own versions of utopia and force them upon others, the world just collapses and bad things happen. Jesus is saying, stop that. Stop pursuing your own kingdom. Instead, turn to my kingdom. Turn to me and follow me. We have this opportunity to step into what we talked about this morning as Adventus, as this kingdom that's breaking through, this kingdom that's outside of history, that's outside of earth, this dawn that's, that's breaking in. And we have the opportunity to step into that to step into that light and to know righteousness and joy in life from that perspective. Jesus is inviting us to know that. I want to take a quick aside for a moment because I think it's important. This morning the verse says, flourishing are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for righteousness' sake. As we build our own kingdoms, especially when we build them really close to the kingdom of heaven in our own ways, a lot of times I'm afraid what happens is that we receive persecution in this world and the persecution that we receive is not for righteousness' sake. The persecution that we receive as a church and as the people, especially in the West, when we think that we've received persecution, normally what we're receiving is the results of our own kingdom, of our kingdom of self-righteousness, the kingdom of, of judgment and condemnation upon others, that we are then kind of just rightly persecuted for. Because in building our own kingdom, we've missed the kingdom of heaven and we've just become a jerk, right? I mean, some people were persecuted because we're just mean people. We're not nice people. And we're definitely not representing righteousness, at least not the righteousness of Jesus. We might be representing our own version of righteousness. We might be perpetuating our own version of self-righteousness and we might be per persecuted because of that. But I want us to, to be able to, to separate the persecution that comes for righteousness' sake and the person, persecution that comes just because you're a mean person, okay? I want to be able to make that, de <laughs> that delineation because, one, we can step into and there is flourishing. The other one, you're just receiving death and natural consequences of being a mean person, okay? And there's no reward for you in heaven when you are... <laughs> persecuted for self-righteousness sake it's for, for yours is your kingdom on earth 
And it falls incredibly short, incredibly short of heaven. (coughs) I'm afraid that the kingdoms that we build are often in line with the kingdoms of this world, kingdoms of personal comfort, kingdoms of wealth and power. And in pursuing these things, yeah, we've become the persecutors versus the persecuted. Whenever we build our own kingdoms and our kingdoms align more with the values of this world, guess what? We become like those who are oppressing others. When we seek wealth, when we seek comfort, when we seek power and personal satisfaction and pleasure, a lot of times all of that comes at the cost of being the persecutor and the oppressor rather than the person who comes and brings freedom from the oppressed. And so what we have to do is we have to align ourselves with the righteousness of God who stands against those things, who stands against power, who stands against authority, who stands against wealth. The reality is that when Jesus is your king, persecution will come because his kingdom undermines the values of this world. So, for example, if Jesus is king, we don't have to serve the kingdom of wealth anymore because our treasure is in Jesus. When Jesus is king, we don't have to serve the kingdom of comfort because Jesus is our comfort. When, we, when Jesus is our king, we don't have to serve um, the kingdom of personal pleasure because Jesus is our joy. Do you see how Jesus undercuts the authority and power of the principles of the way that this world is formed, the way that this world has valued the things of this world. What I want you to see is that when Jesus is our king, it frees us from the control of these powers, right? I mean, this world really wants to sell you pleasure. It wants to sell you stuff. It wants you to buy it. It wants you to think that the more important you are is measured by more that you have. But when you make Jesus king and you follow him and you say, Jesus, you are enough. You are now no longer a slave to the principles of of this earth who wants you to buy more, spend more, give up more, seek wealth more, manipulate others more, oppress others more. The kingdom of God undercuts the kingdom of this world. And it frees us from the control and powers of this world. And so the question is, is why suffering? Why suffering? And I think it's because we're taking a stand. We're taking a stand against all the things that this world values and upholds and pursues and believes to be true. And when you go out, we're battling against that. And when you battle against the ways of this world. And when you set yourself for the kingdom of Jesus, there's going to be a war and there's going to be a battle. And we see Jesus fight this battle. Last week, Shannon said that if we are going to be a people of peace, if we're going to be peacemakers, sometimes we have to go out and make war. Sometimes we have to go out and make war. And sometimes we're going to face persecution. But in our warring, in the way that we face War and the way that we face battle, we don't add to the violence of this world. We don't add to the violence of this world. When we look at Jesus, Jesus warred against the principalities and the powers, and he defeated Satan, and he never punched anybody. 
along the way. He stood up with confidence and he served with grace and humility and he proclaimed that his kingdom had come and he served with justice and the way that Jesus makes peace, even on his way to his death, right? The, the Romans have come with their armies and Peter whips out a sword and he hacks the guy's ear off, right? He's responding with violence and Jesus is like, no, 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 put, put that away. And Jesus, he heals the guy that's about to arrest him. He heals the guy's ear and he makes peace, even though he's making war against the very thing that's about to haul him off to jail. This is what we're doing with December. December is this thing where we are warring against the power and the wealth and the oppression and the forces that require modern-day slavery to exist in this world. We're standing up against it, not with violence, not with guns, not with ammunition, but we're standing up against it with a dress. We're standing up against it with a bow tie. We're standing up against it with Facebook media posts. We're standing up against it with prayer and fasting. And when we stand opposed to the ways of this world, guess what? Persecution is going to come, especially when it's for righteousness' sake. It's going to come. And I began this message with a long list of ways that our church has been pursuing Jesus and pursuing righteousness. And we have to know that in those things, we are standing up against the enemy and we are making war and we are making peace and his kingdom is coming. We also have to know that in that there's going to be trials. There's going to be persecution, that the enemy is going to pursue us and he would love anything to happen for us to fall in that. And so maybe you've put on a dress December 1st and maybe things have started to happen in your life that you just can't explain. Things that are difficult, things that are hard. Maybe you've been attacked in your mind, in your psyche. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's things that are going on that you can't explain. It's because we've taken a stand. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to pray for IJM. And I want to pray for those who have participated in December. And so what I want us to do is that if you are in December, if you're doing December this morning, can you stand up so we can like identify you, so we can pray over you this morning? I want people to get up and I want people to lay hands on you and I want us to pray over one another. So if you're participating in December, stand up this morning. All right, the rest of the body, these people have taken a stand against the enemy. Persecution is probably coming. The enemy is going to pursue. And what I want us to do is I want us to pray against that. Pray that the power of the kingdom of God would come, that it would bring protection, that it would bring life, as we take the stand, and that we would take the stand together as a church, that even though you're not standing right now, that you're partnering with us, that we are in this together, and that the kingdom of God is going to prevail, and that we're going to pursue Jesus with all that we have. So if you guys can, just come around these people that are standing. If you guys want to stand up and physically uh, put your hands on them. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the people in our body, the people who are participating in December around the world, and for the work that IJM is doing as they go in and rescue people, which is at the heart 
of God who is at the heart of Jesus. Would you guys pray with me as you put your hands on it? Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. And Jesus, we thank you for this season where we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, we need your Adventists to come. We need you to break into our history and for you to bring righteousness, for you to bring redemption and freedom. And God, today, Damascus Road Church, we stand against the forces of this earth. We stand against its values of comfort and of wealth and of pleasure. And God, we say we pursue the things of your kingdom, of freedom, of joy, that you are our salvation, that you are our treasure, that you are our comfort. And God, I pray for these men and women who are participating in December. God, I pray that you would protect them, that your kingdom would come upon them, that for theirs the kingdom of heaven would be a reality right now. That you would give them power and authority to live out an identity that's in you. It's not in a dress, that's not in a bow tie, but that's in you, God. And God, we pray for the men and women around the world who are participating in December, who are putting on a dress, who are putting on a tie, who are actively saying we will stand against the oppression in this world. No longer will we accept this reality in our world, God. God, we pray for their protection as, as <laughs> the enemy would seek to persecute them, to tear them down, to, to cause this season to be a season of, of depression and attack. God, we, we speak that in your name, that you'd bring freedom. And God, we pray that you'd be with IJM. And Jesus, that you would use IJM to free more people in this next year than they've ever freed before. That you'd be with those who are being persecuted on the front lines, who are engaging with these women, who are rescuing them, who are pulling them out of slave situations, God. And God, I pray that you'd restore these women to you. And God, may we not be overcome by the evil in this world, but God, that you'd fill our hearts with hope, the hope of your kingdom coming. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. There is suffering in this because our king suffers. Our king battles and goes to battle by suffering. That's how he achieves victory. And if we say that we are aligned with his kingdom and if we are following his kingdom, guess what? That means that we're going to have to follow him out into battle, and that is the battle of suffering. That is the battle of persecution. And it's hard. It's hard to go out and to say, I want that. It doesn't really compute a whole lot with our personal theology. Our personal theologies have become so inundated and so infected with the values of this world that Christianity and comfort often sleep in the same bed. And we're like, you know, if you just became a Christian, like life would be better and all of these things would be better and those things are true. You'd know Jesus and you'd know his hope and you'd know his love. But with that, there's also this elephant in the room of persecution, of suffering, of death, of death and dying to yourself that often goes unnamed. There's a popular verse in Romans chapter 8, and I love this verse. love this verse because it's so true. Romans chapter 8, um, verses 14 through 
17, it says this. It says, For we are led by the Spirit, and we are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we also might be glorified with him. Now, a lot of times when we read those verses, and I'm guilty of it, I leave that last part out. Because I'm like, that just, dam- that just dampens the mood. Like, it's all great. We're sons. We're sons of God. We're heirs. We're victors. Yes, suffering. What? I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know what to do with that. But when you begin to understand that the way that Jesus makes war, the way that Jesus makes peace, is through his suffering. And through his servant leadership, through him getting down on his knees and washing people's feet, through him turning the other cheek, through him causing riots because he's proclaimed himself as the son of God, through all of this we begin to realize that suffering is a part of the job, that we are called to suffer. And there's some people in the Bible who get this, who understand this. Stephen, he's in the book of Acts. He's the first martyr in Christian history. What Stephen's doing, Stephen is gifted by the Holy Spirit, and he goes out, and he's performing miracles and healings, and he's advancing the gospel for righteousness' sake, and the people around him don't like it because he's gaining too much political power, and he's doing it in the name of Jesus, whom they killed, and they don't like that. And so they bring Stephen in, And they call him in for questioning. And Stephen gives this incredible speech about the history of Israel. And he says, and guess what? Jesus is a part of that history whom you killed. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, you're done. We don't like the power that you have. We don't like the authority that you have. We're just going to remove it from you. And they take him out and they stone him. And as they're stoning him, Stephen understands that this is all for the glory of Jesus. And he looks to Jesus, and he sees them in heaven, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Stephen understood what it was to be persecuted and what it was to suffer. Paul, Paul, he's this missionary, and he advances the gospel among the Gentiles. And this guy, he experiences suffering, and he counts it all worth it. It says this, it says, five times... He received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes, less than one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. They tried to kill him and were unsuccessful. Three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he spent adrift at sea. He was in danger of rivers, robbers, in danger of his own people, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness. Um, He said, in toil and hardship and through many sleepless nights, through hunger and thirst, often without food, he was exposed to the cold. He says, he experienced all of these things, but he says, if I must boast, I must boast in the things that show my weakness. And later he says that if I were to boast, I would boast not in my strength, but in my weakness, because where my weakness is, there God's strength abides, and God's strength appears. Paul knew Jesus and followed Jesus in his heart that no matter what came his way, it was worth it. And Paul also understood the kingdom of heaven in such a way that he said, you know what? As long as I'm here on earth, I'm going to live as Christ. 
And then he says, and to die is gain. It's kind of this, this, uh, this kind of cryptic saying. But what he's saying is that as long as I'm alive, I'm going to live as Christ. I'm going to suffer alongside with him. And when I, when I get to the place of death, when they finally stone me and kill me, when they finally beat me and I die, whenever this suffering becomes too much, it's all worth it because then I'm going to receive the fullness of the kingdom of heaven and I will be with Jesus and it will be worth it. The disciples understood this as well. Every one of them was executed for their faith at some point. Every one of them understood what it was to follow Jesus with everything that they had. And they understood the joy that it was to be persecuted. The hard part about this, and maybe the strange and foreign part to you, as it is to me, to be completely honest, of this verse, is, is the, how it ends. It says, it says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying, as you face persecution, Rejoice. As you face discomfort, rejoice. And I'm just going to be honest with you, church. I like my comfort. I like my comfort a lot. I like my theology of comfort, that Jesus is my comfort, and then that means he's going to comfort me in worldly ways. But this is where we get to the part about there being more presence under the tree. And it's that Paul knew, Stephen knew, the disciples knew. They knew what it was to follow Jesus and to be able to rejoice in the face of persecution, to be able to rejoice in the face of trial, to be able to look at it and say, bring it on. I mean, as Stephen is dying, there is no sense of regret. There's no sense of fear. There is just joy and abandoned, and is gazing at the face of Jesus. And I want that. And so instead of leaving this place discouraged this morning, saying like, man, I don't really want to suffer. Or man, I just, that was a hard word. What I want you guys to see is that there is more gifts that Jesus has for us still underneath the Christmas tree that have gone unopened, right? You know how it is on Christmas morning. You've opened all the gifts and then there's like one more gift and you're like, I didn't know there was one left with my name on it. They're like, yeah, you didn't see that one that I hid in the tree? And you're like, that's, that's amazing. And you open up and it's normally the best gift possible. The thing is that you and I, we've opened a lot of gifts of Jesus. We know his goodness. We know his joy. We know his love. We know his hope. We know these things. And yet, it's still really hard for us to say, yeah, I want to go and rejoice in suffering with him guess what? There's a present under the tree still to be unopened. There's more of Jesus that we get to discover and know than that we get to unwrap and receive joy so that we might understand what it is to be persecuted and rejoice. Are you with me? Are you with me? There's an invitation this morning to know Jesus more, to step into following him and knowing him more, that when we would come to the place of persecution, even though we can't imagine it today, that we would say, yes, Jesus, that we'd be able to align ourselves with Paul, that we'd be able to align ourselves with Stephen, that we'd be able to align ourselves with the disciples, and that we would also suffer with him so that we could also share in his glory. Know that there's more of Jesus under the tree for you this morning, and that's exciting, and that's what I want to leave you with.
is this question of Jesus, what more do you have for me? What do you, how do you want me to see you? How do you want me to grow in you? How do you want me to follow you and pursue you with all that I have and know your righteousness? Because the world needs it. The world needs it. And we're called to step into it. Flourishing are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you guys pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have together to open your word and to take a stand, to take a stand against evil and oppression and darkness in this world and to say, God, we are on your team. You are our king, and we are going to follow you. God, I pray that you, we, that you would reveal yourself to us in new ways this morning, ways that would bring our heart full of joy, that as we suffer in this world, that we would rejoice and be glad because you are king and you are good. In your name we pray, amen.